Hello and welcome to Security Insights, the podcast that takes a deeper look at today's most important issues in cybersecurity and beyond. I'm Stephen Pritchard, editor and presenter. What happens if your personal devices are stolen? Few victims of theft recover their goods, but the loss of the hardware might only be the start of their ordeal. Increasingly, criminals are targeting commuters and others with expensive personal electronics. But even more valuable are the data on them, and the access a stolen device can give to other networks. This is leading to a growing black market in stolen devices and in tools that can unlock them. People who lose a device can be a victim twice over if hackers then target their identity. In this week's episode, security researcher Adelson Jensen explains how this is exactly what happened to his partner, Addy and fellow cybersecurity researcher at Siren, Magni Renya Sugerson, take up the story. The story that I'm about to tell you today is about a theft that happened to me and my girlfriend about all of, with all of her devices in it which, for example, a MacBook and an iPad and another ThinkPad. And uh, then what happened was that it was stolen on our train ride in Switzerland. And in the end, that resulted in a targeted phishing attack to her. What actually happened? How long was it before you realized that the devices had gone? We were in the train from Lausanne, the French part, to the German-speaking part where I live. And we were sitting, it was late at night, we were sitting in a two-seat compartment and we were eating a Ben & Jerry's ice cream and we wanted to to take it easy and enjoy the ride. It was a three-hour train ride and that's why we sat in this two-seat compartment in the edge. So that people wouldn't see us when we took off our masks and, and, and ate the ice cream. But there was a lot of spaces left in the train, but suddenly a man came in at a train station and instead of sitting wherever it was free, he sat right in front of us in the next two-seat compartment and he put his backpack in the overseat compartment where we had our two backpacks, but he pushed the backpack from my girlfriend to the side and put his in the middle. So that was strange already and I looked him in the eye a bit and I didn't know why he was doing this but he was wearing a, a nice suit and it was uh, as late in the evening so I thought maybe he's just tired after a business day and, and her backpack was a little bit in his compartment taking a little bit of his space I guess so I didn't think much of it as in the end we were in Switzerland and I've not heard of many thefts there. But yeah, then he he put his backpack in the middle and we just continued the ride. And then two hours later, when we arrived, only when we wanted to take our backpacks back and leave the train, we realized that the man was gone, the backpack was gone, and all her stuff was gone. So do you think that was a professional criminal? Yes, I would say so. And uh, I talked to the train guys there. Uh, were taking the tickets and they said that they knew about organized crime there in the French part on some trains. And uh, later when I went through the same route again, I noticed some suspicious people that were, and they again tried to take my, my big bag, but then I was able to stop them. So I believe this was organized and planned theft. So what happened next? What happened next was my girlfriend got really angry 
I've never seen her this furious. She even uh, screamed a little, and uh, because all her stuff was suddenly gone, and there was so much in this was her wallet, her two laptops. She had just started a new job with a new laptop, which she wanted to impress in, but it was not going so well in the beginning, and and now the laptop was gone. So after one week of working, she had to tell company that the laptop was gone so that she was most stressed about but also all the other stuff and it was about over four thousand dollars in the end worth of stuff and that's that's a lot in a student's life so there was evening saturday evening so we went home we locked our devices we put the apple devices in lost mode and when you do this with the lost mode you can leave a little message on on the ipad so she left a message which was, please return my devices. I need them back. I would appreciate if you send them back to me or let me know where I can pick my bag up with all my personal stuff. So in this message, you can hear a little her anger. And uh, with that message was her phone number. And then on there was Saturday evening and we woke up on a Sunday. And since the police is closed on Sunday in Switzerland, we... We couldn't go to them immediately, so we tracked the iPad. We saw two locations in Bern, in the capital of Switzerland, and uh, we drove there. We wanted to see if we could get this stuff back. I knew it wasn't uh, the best idea, but we had to do something, right? So we, we had two locations with quite a big location circle, and we just started knocking on doors. And in the beginning, it was just a normal housewife that came uh, to the door and she she looked really normal Swiss family. And yeah, we had even secret cameras in our pockets and stuff. But then we realized, okay, this is maybe a, a weird mission we're, we're on here. And even if we met meet the thief, he's probably not going to give us our devices back. But we knocked around some, some places there and they pointed like there was a wash a car wash dealer near this house and there was a, a painting shop on the other side and we went to the paint shop and he was really helpful but he said that the car wash dealer might be suspicious and we should ask him and then we went over there and there were these people in this big bench and they didn't seem very talkative but they in the end pointed at the paint shop and said maybe we should check on them <laughs> Yeah, in the end, long story short, we did not get anything back and we drove home. And when we told this to people close to us, they all said that, yeah, we should not have done that. <laughs> we might have gotten into some trouble. And yeah, then we reported to the police. They took up all the details, the ser serial numbers and said they would investigate it. But they also immediately said that we shouldn't expect the devices back or anything. So with that, um, not much happened in the next few days, except that the location from the iPad moved and suddenly was in France. And then it was offline for many weeks. And uh, the next, yeah, nothing happened for about six months. So it was the iPad that you were tracking at this point? Yes. But it had been offline for many weeks and we didn't expect to get anything back at this point. And uh, yeah, not much hope left. But that was the point when my girlfriend received an SMS and I've never seen anyone 
this excited about an SMS before. She was jumping around and said, you can't believe what happened. You can't believe what happened. And then she showed me and it, it was a SMS that said, your iPad has been found. Um, and it was exactly her model. So your iPad 6th generation, 32 gigabytes space gray has been found today at 5 p.m. View location. And then was a link and Apple support. So she, of course, immediately clicked the link and then she saw a Apple website with a, a map on it. And there on the map that was in Switzerland, the place of the theft in Bern. And there was a location, a green dot that moved a little on one street. So she thought, oh my God, this is my iPad moving. I, and then came a login screen with her iCloud credentials. And she immediately started to type it in. And that's when I put on my detective glasses and I said, hold on, let me, let me look at this link for a minute. And then I saw that it was a, this, the subdomain, the, the, the domain was clearly not from Apple. So it was www.icloud.id slash activation.com, which means they, the attacker owned the ID activation domain, but not the iCloud part. So it wasn't a real iCloud domain. And then I had to convince her that this SMS was probably not from Apple, but from the attackers. So what the attackers did was they saw the message she had left on the iPad with when she said that this iPad has been stolen, please return it. And she, they saw the number there and they created this targeted website with a moving location and sent it to her in an SMS telling her the iPad has been found in order to get her credentials to unlock the iPad as well as her MacBook and everything. Was that what they were looking to do then to unlock them? Yes. That takes a reasonable degree of technical know-how and sophistication to create a site like that though, doesn't it? It's not something that your average uh, small-time criminal would do. Yes, one would think that actually. But um, when we researched this, we found various phishing kits where you can create these websites in 20 seconds. So if you have this software, you, you're able to, to create it quite quickly. I'm guessing that then you didn't click the link. Is that right? Yeah, well, she clicked the link, but she didn't fill out the credentials, which was important thing. And then that would have given them access to the iCloud account and therefore the, the iPad and the, the Apple laptop as well. What was the conclusion to, to your story? Uh, did anything further happen after that? Well, I told this story here in my company and in the we have this research group and we thought, why don't we research this a little more, try to find out how they do this, why they do this and stuff like that. So that was what we did. And we found, we found this software that the attacker was using these phishing kits by, by crawling the internet. And in that we found this generator that can create all these Apple looking websites in 20 seconds, such as the iCloud or even Apple TV looking websites, normal Apple ID, and uh, a lot of very interesting stuff there. And uh, 
when we but when we wanted to look at the source code it was all encrypted and gibberish so we couldn't find out exactly how they're doing it but then we were able to decrypt it and through that we were able to dive deeper in the code and in the code we even found some hard-coded credentials of the attacker and then we we thought well this is interesting now we can really really dive in so one of these credentials was they had an admin portal to create these sites and the verification was just in the code and there it was hard-coded the username and the password with that we were able to get in the admin portal and then we could exactly see how they generate these sites and you can just input any location you want such as Zurich or London and then you can create this this website in 20 seconds you can send it to your victim and you get all your all the the info that the victim types in uh, through a telegram chat actually so so quite clever but actually quite simple yes exactly so did you then go back to law enforcement to go back to the police with this information uh, yeah I gave them all I've researched and I have it in a file but I don't know what they're doing with it. The website, I tracked it to Russia and they say with the cybercrime, it's difficult to go over the borders. But then from what you were able to find out, and I appreciate some of this is speculation now, but do you think the people who stole the devices were the same people as tried to get the credentials or do you think they had sold that on to other groups on the dark web who are more interested in the data? Yeah, I think they definitely sold this on because it was so quickly in France and then this website was hosted in Russia and it was the time difference was six months, which means it was probably, if they knew how to do it immediately, it might have been more effective to send it immediately, this website. And I've read similar stories as this one and, and some of the victims have, have received this SMS like one day after the theft. The key part then to unlocking your girlfriend's identity there was the fact that she had put her phone number, cell phone number, onto that message on the Apple service. Is that right? Yes. And these guys that are advertising the fishing kits, like these website generators for sale, they even have a little advertisement on these Telegram and Discord chats where they say they need some info. So if you have info like a telephone number or an email, they will unlock it with high success. So how common do you think, and perhaps Magni, if you could comment on this as well, how common do you think this type of attack is? I mean, clearly, you know, theft of devices happens and it probably happens more often than people report to the police but it's actually that potential compromise of identity and the theft of data that's the really worrying thing about this story i'll just say from what i researched you know i contacted the attacker and i pretended to be someone buying a fishing kit with stolen devices interested in it in order to try to get any info of him and I got his Bitcoin address and with that I was able to track his transactions and from there I could estimate that this was quite lucrative. He had over $12,000 in received transactions and each one about $70 which was the price of this fishing kit and uh, so it seems to be a lot of customers for him. Yeah, so a useful little business on the side. Magni, 
what do you think? What, what, what have you observed with all this? What we saw on these uh, Telegram chats is that uh, these guys are also offering um, service to the, the uh, thieves to unlock the devices for them. So it's not just the thieves buying the kits and, and doing this themselves. It's uh, the, the, uh, there are attackers behind this that are, are basically uh, offering the phishing attacks as a service. Yeah, with the uh, Bitcoin wallet we found uh, from, from others that talking to the guy who created it, uh, it it looks like it's a it's a huge business for these guys. And going back to the incident on the train and the original theft, do these groups do you think target bags or people who look like they might have a laptops and iPads and so on with them, or do you think it's entirely random? They're just stealing whatever they can, and then they're selling the devices on to somebody elsewhere in the criminal chain to to try to either sell those for cash or more worryingly to strip the identities out of them i think they definitely target and the next time when i went there on a long train ride and then i saw really a, a crew of people that were communicating with each other through finger pointing and they were always walking the train back and forth and sometimes you can see they were like slapping the seats, every single seat, but then at one seat, he just left one finger out and then he was giving a sign to another guy sitting in another way that this might be a victim. And I was able to, I saw, I was able to stop one guy who was trying to take the bag underneath a woman that was sitting in front of me because I saw it through the reflection in the uh, window. So, and with the knowledge of being really aware there because of this what happened i was able to see them like communicate without talking and and i I think they really have a lot of tricks up their sleeve to to get away with this so from a perspective of organizations who are looking after these devices and issuing these devices you said that you know your girlfriend had a, a new business device is the physical theft or, or even loss of a device something that we take seriously enough no i actually don't think so um i mean you hear hear about this all the time that uh computers or phones get stolen but uh it's it's so common that i no i don't think uh law enforcement or, or or companies are taking that that serious yeah i mean I remember a few years ago that one of the tech companies in the UK told its staff not to carry those very easily identifiable laptop bags and to put everything in a supermarket bag just because people were being targeted at railway stations and having the the shoulder bags taken off them. This comes into the convergence of physical and cyber security, doesn't it, where essentially this is a gateway into a business network or into a government network or other organizations network through the theft of credentials and as I say these uh, these type of scams they are very believable and you know, probably if, if you um Adelstein had not been in the industry you wouldn't have made those checks on the URL and spotted the fake address so they are believable people fall for them but what then do organizations and CISOs need to do to guard against this type of attack for most or or, or at least 
uh, for many companies, um, CISOs or, or, or IT uh, administrators do have software on, on uh, machines or, or the ability to erase the machine if it gets stolen. Um, but I think uh, to prevent being a victim of such an attack, um, we, we need to uh, educate our employees mostly. Um, and of course, uh, apply secure um, email gateways or, or companies or enterprises need to have an anti-phishing solution in place for their um, employees. But the tricky part is, for example, with this um, attack or, or these kind of attacks that the criminals are starting to target the uh, mobile devices more, more and more, where we don't have these uh, protections like we have often with our e email, our emails. So um, it's it's we need to uh, if if we suspect something or oh, we or if we don't expect a a something like a a package delivery or something um, to come in an SMS message, we, we, we need to stop and, and, and look at what we're receiving. And if it looks suspicious, it probably is suspicious. So uh, take a moment before you, you visit a link and enter your credentials and, and take a look at where, where exactly you are entering those credentials. So the criminals will always find uh, ways to trick us. So it's important to be aware of uh, any new methods that they may apply. So user education is certainly part of it then? Yes, it's a, it's a very big part of it. What about, though, the idea that criminals are targeting devices particularly, and they may want to use those devices to move laterally within organizations or to attack organizations. You know, With the trend over the last couple of years to have more personal devices, more people working from home, are we more at risk than we were perhaps in 2018, 2019? Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, criminals, uh, well, we're, we're using, we're, we're stuck at home and, and we're using our personal devices often um, to connect to meetings or, or look at our emails or, or so on. So, and we might not necessarily be using, uh, um, a VPN connection or, or, or something like that on those devices. So, um, and what we've seen with, um, recent phishing attacks that we've been looking into, um, we see that uh, see that in in the victims' data that is being stolen uh, on those phishing sites. That mobile devices are being heavily targeted today. Um, so it's it's something that we definitely need to be aware of and and 
um, make sure to apply strong uh, credentials um, when we're when we're creating uh, accounts and so on, and and of course use multi-factor authentications um, for for all of our accounts. But the problem in these particular cases is that a lot of the information is being compromised because a personally owned device is compromised rather than a business owned device is compromised. It's uh, dangerous when uh, our devices get stolen. Uh, and and if, if you fall for such an attack, like Alastair described, you can definitely get into, um, get into uh, enterprises or, or, or businesses and, and yeah, account takeover basically. So that's really dangerous. Yes, as once you're into the device, of course, you don't know what other credentials people have stored. And human beings being human beings, there is probably a Word document or a text file or a sticky note somewhere which has a password that shouldn't be stored on that device, um, which is, again, a risk, isn't it? It comes back to the point about education. But um, Adelstein, you mentioned that the law enforcement officials were saying it was hard to pursue the criminals outside of Switzerland across borders. Um, Is that something that as an industry there needs to be more collaboration on? Is that something that perhaps uh, politicians need to look at? Because these thefts are they are of significant impact. They can have a significant impact, significant impact on both the victims individually and the organizations they work for. Yeah, I believe this is a big need for collaboration in the in the whole cyber theft, cyber attack space because it's so cross-border. It, it, it doesn't have borders, the internet. And as well with cyber warfare, I mean, you can even so easily spoof to be from one country and make like the attack comes from there, but you're somewhere completely different in the world. So I need think there needs to be collaboration on the global level in order to best fight this. I agree, definitely. Uh, uh, I mean, companies uh, in, 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 in the uh, cybersecurity business, of course, have collaborations, but I do do think that uh, governments and, and countries need to yeah, establish a better collaboration between them when it comes to this. Yeah, and, and through this kit that we analyzed when we decoded the code, we were able to get into the attacker's communication. And there I was able to see and monitor life attacks that he was doing uh, similar to this. So this was probably one guy that just buys a lot of stolen devices and then does these attacks where they were stolen. And there I was really, to, uh, it was interesting to see it was in India, it was California, it was in Europe. So yeah, it was not targeted at any place. It was just everywhere. Truly a global enterprise then. Um, and Adelstein, just coming back to where we started, have you, your girlfriend, changed your behaviours as a result of this incident? Well, we're certainly more aware uh, and keep one backpack uh, close to us with even the handle around our arm. And nothing has been stolen so far. And of course, she never even clicks any links anymore. But uh, And sometimes it's even a problem. For example, one time a bank called me and that was like 20 minutes just laughing at them and saying, you're not my real bank. And then it was the real bank. So it can go both directions, but it's certainly 
has uh, made us more aware. But even though I have to say she was really aware, I mean, I'm I studied cybersecurity and 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 she never clicks any like normal phishing email. But this had some emotion in play, so so she had a little hope left to get the devices back, and and then her her warning signs just didn't come off when she saw this link with her description of the iPad. So that's why she was so eager to fill it out. So I think we need to really heighten the awareness on as well these targeted attacks that can play with our emotions, and and we have to realize when the warning signs are not going off that maybe. We have to think again, is it truly the right source this is coming from and verify the domain and maybe call the company directly instead of, instead of uh, yeah, answering something you receive. Adel Sedjonsson there on how even he, as a seasoned cybersecurity professional, changed his behaviour following a theft and a subsequent targeted phishing attack. That, though, is all for this episode of Security Insights. In our next programme, we'll take an in-depth look at some of the emerging threats that face us in cybersecurity. That will be live in two weeks' time, and I hope you can join us then. In the meantime, you can catch up on past programmes on our website, securityinsights.co.uk, and of course on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon and Spotify. Thank you for listening. <laughs>